Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And, well, it's the countdown, everybody. Just, uh, nine of these left after today, so I hope you're enjoying them, because you won't have Criminal Minds to kick around much longer. Uh, or I guess you will, I and mean, still watch it, but, you know. Our analysis of it will be complete, is what I'm trying to get at. And I think, I think that was clear. Uh, seriously, though, we are here for episodes four, five, and six of season 14. Uh, so with no further ado. Innocence. When a woman from Tallahassee, Florida, is bludgeoned to death, and her husband's alibi rules him out as the prime suspect, the BAU works with local authorities in Tallahassee and Arlington, Virginia, to identify the killer. Meanwhile, Prentice grows increasingly concerned about Garcia's behavior. Okay. All right. So, uh, first off, oh my god, um, this episode has the most victim blamey line I've ever seen Criminal Minds do. This is a line actually spoken in an episode of Criminal Minds. And I'm not, this is not hyperbole. This is not a cruel parody. This actually happens in the episode. So there, uh, Garcia's talking while they're on the plane about how the woman has no obvious skeletons in her closet. Nothing that, uh, you know, no, no reason for anyone to want her dead. All of that, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, and Tara's response is, well, keep digging, because, you know, people with nothing to hide don't wind up tied to trees and beaten to death. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> oh, my Tara God. Am I crazy or is that shocking? Um... It's, um, well, if we were creating a Mediterra. <laughs> it goes, yeah, I mean, it, it goes to her being, you know, uh, cold and suspicious about everything all the time because of her own issues. But yeah, <laughs> damn. Her that incipient sociop sociopathy. Sociopathy, yeah. But she's good at hiding and she's good at denying, but she lets it out from time to time. You know? Like, I don't, well, I didn't understand the whole thing. I mean, this whole episode yeah. is is so weird. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, I, it's not just that that blames her. I mean, they immediately jump to she must be having an affair. Yep. They immediately jump to a million things. First, they jump to her husband. Well, okay, we, we can kind of accept. That that Husband ninety nine percent of the time kills the wife. Yes, like, you I, know, I understand okay. why they jumped to that one. I can I can understand that, but you know they're going. Well, maybe the husband's got a, a an affair if the wife doesn't have an affair. It's yeah. like, um, exactly. and then of course there's there's the whole business of. I, it's just they. There's no depth to any of these episodes whatsoever that you can actually plumb. Yeah, you know when we find out. I mean, they have a stereotypical preacher, preacher guy, right? Yeah. And they have a stereotypical um, response thing. There's nothing in this episode that has any imagination. It's oh yeah, like 
I would say that. I mean, if there's anything I would say, this episode just doesn't have yeah. any imagination. No imagination, it's... no depth, nothing to it other than just, wow, this is weirdly cruel. Also, I yeah. don't believe that when uh, the mother was confessing to her son that she had cheated on her husband and he's not his biological father, that she would have also mentioned that her sister knew and never told him. Like, I just, I honestly don't believe that would have come up in that conversation. Yeah, well, I also think that there's a, an extreme... Like, I, I, oh, by the way, I've lied to you your whole life, blah, blah, you don't know who you are. Just FYI, your aunt was also lying to you that whole time. How would that conversation have happened? There's just no way. Well, considering she was supposed to be, um, you know, a reasonably nice person... Oh, yeah. um, the husband, you know, I mean, why didn't she say, why didn't she tell her husband? Did her husband not know? Well, her husband. Well, we have no idea if her husband knew at the end of the episode. He probably no, because... didn't because she's not killing herself with guilt. You kill yourself with that kind of guilt over something you're keeping a secret. You know? Yeah. Like, and if the husband does, like, and you can say, well, she was angry, uh, she was freaked out because she had to keep it a secret from her son. I'm like, yeah, but the son's no. not the one she's betraying. No, what I don't understand, I mean, I, I mean, that's it. I mean, it's just so bizarre. Um, it's, what I would say is if you had to, to think anything, that her guilt is over the way she's treated this this child. Yeah. That I suspect she has not treated him well from the time he was born. Yeah, which is explained because all she of always his, knew. Yeah, she always yeah. knew it wasn't uh, her husband's son, and she's been kind of awful to him his whole life, and that's why he's got this again. Incipient's a great word. Uh, violent streak or psychopathy going on because she's been cold to him his whole life because he's a constant reminder of this time she betrayed or series of times she betrayed her husband. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it it is, um, and so that's why. I mean, this is stupid the the way they dealt with the child who's getting into trouble all the time. Like I I couldn't believe sort of the school and this this was the attitude yeah. of this particular school, particularly in Arlington, Virginia. It's not like it's you know your hotbed of uh, right wing conservative uh, religious thought. Um, no, but that's that's certainly the way he was treated. You know, I mean, like, we don't have any reason. It's just like, again, you have this thing. Oh, so he was just a bad seed because she had an affair with some kind of a jerk. And yeah. it's his genes that turned this kid into this. Yeah, I don't like, No, you can totally do a ridiculous eugenics reading of this episode. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it is. Logically, this woman was, like, torn apart all the time by this uh what do you call it this secret she was keeping to the point that her best friend like uh at work knew about it and like uh tried to counsel her on it but she would never say what it was and i mean that's by the way her best friend who came out to her and everything yeah. she still wouldn't tell him what the issue was so obviously she was racked with guilt over that severely like day and night she was always thinking about it and it always tortured her and there's no way that that doesn't influence the way you're friggin' you're raising your child. It's impossible. Yeah, she would have been. Yeah, she, she would have been, been better off getting it, getting either an abortion or telling her husband. Yeah, 
Either way, it would have allowed to have a healthy relationship with that child. Chips fall where they may is better than how she doubtless was treated. Because again, if she's so full of shame that she won't even tell her best friend, who's the only person he's come out to, right? So it's like they have an incredibly close relationship and, you know, can tell each other anything. And he, she won't even tell him. Obviously, that's going to massively affect the way this kid, the household this kid is growing up in. She's got to be treating him terribly. Yeah, she has to be. Because every time she looks at him, he's the... Reinforcing <laughs> this agonizing guilt she's living with every day. Well, no, it's, it's, no, she's the, he's, he's the living proof of her sin. Exactly. Yeah. That's, and it reinforces that's the, the guilt I'm talking about. Yeah. And I, you know, and then why she wouldn't tell her minister if she was such a religious person is beyond me. Um, like, like I'm sitting here going, she's not a good this, person, I think is the real point. Yeah. Here. The episode isn't giving us anything. No. No. You know, like, the, the, the whole episode isn't giving us anything and it's as boring as hell. Yeah. Oh, it is. Um, also, uh, yet another crime that I want to stress here. Dogs could have solved. <laughs> Literally, all they had to do was grab a couple of dogs. Okay. Uh, smell her blood. Because he smashed her head in with the butt of a shotgun that he took, then walked with back to his house. And, and he was so careless about it, he even left the back door open. Like, he even left the back door of the house open. He was not taking precautions to get away with this. No, Literally all you kid. had to do. He was just a kid. He was just an angry kid who, you know, pushed to the edge of everything by having his mother confirm and like, oh, this is why you've been horrible to me my whole life. You know, and it all came out in a rush. I'm not sure where he got the shotgun. No, where did he get the shotgun? Because the husband specifically says, says there, are, there are no guns in the house. We don't have guns. Yeah, we don't have guns. Where did he get this shotgun? Because it's not like he's that old. No, he's like 13. Maybe 14. Like, he can't get a gun license. Yes, at that age in Florida, you can shoot. I know. But your parents have to sign off on it. You can't go to a store and buy a gun at age 13 in Florida, whether or not you're legally allowed to use it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very weird that he's able... Like, this gun comes from nowhere. And... Again, why not just bring out the dogs? Or, hey, why not just look at the friggin' footprints on the ground? Two sets of footprints leave the house. One of them dies at the tree, and the other set of footprints walk back to the house. Well, That's a and pretty, I also, pretty good sign of who did it. Yeah, and you have, but you have absolutely no rationale why the mother would have gone with him in the first place. He pointed a shotgun and at not, her. Well, yeah, but he could, she could have sat yeah, down and... Yeah. She could have tried like, to talk to him. Or I mean, just if she had a decent relationship with her son of any kind. Which she probably didn't. No, which she probably didn't. But that's beside the point. Yeah. I so don't know, I mean, you're right. I don't know how he got her out of the house silently. That's yeah. the real question. You without know, making I, any fuss whatsoever. I, I don't. Like, there's a lot of things you can't understand about about this episode. You know, yeah, so, um, I mean, episodes. do we, do we for sure know that it was the son that did the, the broken bones and this, that, and the other thing? I assume so. Uh, yeah. We never get any I, confirmation on that, weirdly. No, because the son also has them. Are you sure the mother didn't do some of this? Probably the mother did some of this. We didn't, again, we don't know. If I had to guess, I would say the mother was, again, because she is a religious fanatic, 
Uh, I would guess that she's treating, it, it is a cycle where she treats her son terribly, right? She treats her son terribly and he acts out. So she beats him to make him be better. And then he passes that on to, you know, his assaulting his sister. Is what I assume they yeah. meant to say is going on. But we are meeting them halfway. By no, they, because they, they still want to assume that the husband did this. Yeah, but there's no proof of that. No, no proof whatsoever. And yeah. we don't ever, and, but it's never resolved either. No. You know, so, yeah. you, you don't, you don't have a scene with the child. No, that would, explaining that would, anything. Explaining anything. And that's what you need. Yep. Is this child say at least something? Yeah, about why or the he did sister, this, or, or the yes, exactly, or the sister saying something about all of this, right? Yep. But I would assume the mother has turned the sister against her brother. By the way, here's here. Oh, definitely, absolutely. So here's why this episode is crazy. So I often talk about how, um, you know, the the psychological parts of the episodes are just window dressing, and every single crime is just solved by. Um, by Garcia typing some numbers into a computer, right? Yeah. Now, we often joke about that. But this episode is weird because psychology would have allowed them to solve the crime almost immediately, right? But, and this is the key part, uh, but they choose to ignore facts that are put right in their face. A woman dies because of it. And they, even though the fact, the, the evidence of who did it is sitting right in their face. They don't bother acting on it until Garcia goes and finds the DNA evidence. Because here's what happens. So they give evidence, you know, that the killer was inside the house, blah, 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 blah. So they're like the father and uh, look at all of this violence act. We know you've been beating your whole family this time. That's why you killed your wife. And that's why you, uh, uh, that's why you killed the aunt. Cause she was going to, she was going to tell on you. This is their theory that they con confront the husband with. And the husband's response to this theory is to immediately confess to the crime and agree to go to jail. Yeah. Now they immediately respond with that saying, well, obviously he's innocent because the kind of toxic narcissist who would torment their family like that wouldn't immediately cop to the crimes, which is actually a very good observation, 100%. Then they're like, we've got to figure out who he's protecting. I'm like, do you though? Do There's you? Isn't only that one obvious? Other person in the house. <laughs> you know. I'm pretty sure that eight year old girl isn't beating people to death with a shotgun. Oh dear. And then, and, and guess what? He didn't have red hair. I know for once. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, but it's like, I'm pretty sure the eight-year-old girl isn't beating anyone to death with a shotgun. There's literally only one suspect. That suspect is the guy's son, and the guy is protecting someone. Yeah. Like, this isn't rocket science. Well, I wouldn't have thought it was rocket science, but obviously for the team, it's rocket science. But they sit around just not acting on, on, their, anything. on this they information don't... until they get the news from Garcia. It's like they don't have permission to just follow the only logical chain of evidence to the only person who could be responsible for these crimes. Well, I think, as I said, okay, and here's where the problem is, is I can't even get all that worked up about it. The problem is, is that there is this book 
and that there is this uh, there is this this thing about what has to be in here in terms of what Garcia does in an episode and what yeah, so and so does in an episode and what so and so does in an episode. And if Garcia and doesn't so, solve the crime, well, it's not an episode of Criminal Minds. And so and so, what happens is is that they forget that they're actually profilers and they're supposed to know about these things. Yeah. And um, the the writer, it's a uh, somebody called Stephanie Sengupta. Okay. Well, she's um, written a lot of episodes. She's written some episodes. Yeah. Um, Not just one but, or two. She's she's a prominent writer on the show these days. <laughs> yeah, but these days don't count. And remember, yeah, this, this is know, all know. you know. So so all I can say is, yeah. I mean, this is simply part of the. They've had to go there, and nobody's doing any any talking and thinking because this is all the fallout from what's his face being fired during this period. Yeah. You know, and and that had to be coming up and they're just dumping they've got they've got a rule book about what happens. And has they just here is the format of what happens in a criminal minds episode. Just write that, then we can all go home. Yeah. No, I swear I swear that's the only I mean way it wouldn't because... su- it wouldn't surprise me. Like you're not crazy for saying that. No. Because it's like you this could... episode, it makes like again. I don't understand why, the and why they failed. throw in why they throw in the red herring minister is beyond me. Yeah, and stop going to church. Well, so what? I like I don't understand any. Well, no, you need, and that's because you need to fill up forty minutes. Yeah, the whole well, mystery I'm... of why she stopped going to church is because you have to fill up forty minutes. That's it. Yeah, and you know, I I just it's in. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. Who likes this episode? Nobody. No, it's a very bad episode, but again, a crime that could have easily been solved by dogs. Yes, by dogs. And, um, and I mean, the only thing is, it's very nice that, that, that they brought Garcia's brother. Brother back to, yeah, that was, that was a nice make scene. up. That was a very nice little scene. Yeah. Cause he's like, um, you almost got killed. So whatever problems I have with your opinions on the guy who killed our parents, obviously, your life is more important than that. So yeah, and, and, and you know, and Garcia never like it, it's a very bizarre thing that she just yeah never talked to her brother, never talked to anybody. Blah blah blah. I know, right? It's very weird. But uh, no, I mean she's now like she's, she's never told her yeah. brother didn't know that she had been shot and almost killed. No, no, she he knew about the shooting, didn't he? No, I don't. Well, that's not when I'm. It's watching. not. Cl- you're right. It's not clear. That it's he not knew. clear that he knew that he, about it because I that think David Rossi told. Don't. No, David no, because I think they're just. No, no. I think him. what I agree with you that it sounds like they're talking about the shooting, but what they're actually. You're right. The you almost died. Blah 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 blah. What they're actually talking about is the kidnapping in episode in the cliffhanger in episode one of this season. The whole you almost died stuff. You're right. When I first listened to that line, I'm like, is he just finding out about the shooting now? And then I realized, no, they've just written it very badly. And what they're talking about is the kidnapping. Yeah, but, see, that, but then if you're right. and I am right. But continue. Okay. But then the point is that doesn't make any sense. No. Cause that that did, because that's all way, way after, way after she's forgiven this guy. Yeah, I know. Right, that she went to the thing. No, it has to be that he didn't, to, for it to make sense, he ha- has to not know that she got shot. And almost died. And almost died. 
you could be right. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with my reading of this, but I fully admit that there's a good chance you're the one who's right about this. But because, you know, because I can, I think if you know, the way that scene goes, that you're right that 100% it sounds like it. And I tried to repair it in my head because there's no way he wouldn't have that information. Although well, I also don't know why he wouldn't have the information that she got kidnapped when that's frigging gotta be national news. Oh, a cult infiltrated the FBI and murdered 300 people and kidnapped FBI agents and got taken down at their, you know, compound in Kentucky where they had 10,000 guns. Yeah, so I feel like the press might have covered that. I think the press might have covered Yeah, you see, whereas Garcia, because I don't know if I ever asked that question about, well, where's her family? Doesn't she have family? Yeah. You know, no. when she's in the hospital and nobody comes it's to It's weird that none that... of her family members turned up that time she got shot. Yeah, and so maybe she never told any of them. I mean, you could, there's a good chance you're right about this, which is Although, really yeah. scary. Well, it's, yes. It's yeah, you know. Well, it no, it, it's just the, the show. Like, it, it's, like, you would think that she didn't have all of these brothers. Yeah, that she didn't have these three brothers. Or is it four brothers? She's got a lot of brothers. Yeah. She's got at least three brothers. And you wouldn't think they existed based on how little it comes up. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, for the love of God, Hotch's brother came up more often yeah, than her three brothers, who but, she supposedly helped raise and was wrapped up in a, uh, in a, you know, an emotional turmoil around the death of her parents. Yeah, because the the thing that I always wondered about, because when they get when they get hurt and stuff like this, well, first yeah. of all, wouldn't her family be her next of kin? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And wouldn't they at least be notified? What, she told them not to notify them? I think that's what's happened. I think we are supposed to believe that she told, like, on her forms, not to notify my family if anything bad happens to me. If medical decisions have to be made, well, you know, Derek Morgan will take care of that. Seems to be her take on the situation, which is bad take, real bad. And you could say, well, when they wrote episode five, they didn't really know that she had three brothers yet. And I'm like, I think they might have been mentioned. Oh, I think they might have been mentioned already, but that's beside the point. Uh, So, yeah, it's I mean, again, it's nice that they reconcile, but you're right that it doesn't make up for her complete abandonment of her family. Early. Well, the only thing is, is that to me, the only thing that makes sense that he would forgive her is if her problem started before she forgave the guy. Yes. No, I think you're right. And then he could he could say, OK, I understand. Now I understand why you had to forgive the guy and blah, 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 because you almost died. Blah, blah, blah. You're right. Yeah. I, I do see how you're making that. And there's like a good chance that you're right and I'm wrong here. Like, there's a more than average chance that you're right and I'm wrong here. Uh, I'm sticking with mine for now, but I completely, you have made a very good case for yours. Well, yeah, particularly since, you know, um, these these writers, of course, um, don't, I mean, this whole episode is badly written. It needs, it needs a really good. A complete um, rewrite. Like. Yeah, yeah, it needs a, it needs a restructuring and, um, 
so that I think that the bad writing here just moves into the whole Garcia and her brother. Like, I'm really glad that they got back together again. If it took David Rossi to fly him out, more power to David, because he will do things like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. He will. He'll use his money for a positive thing every now and then. Yep. He absolutely will. He is... He is a spendthrift. He's happy to, like, blow his money on people. That's well, he's fine. got so friggin' much. He's got so it. much money. Absolutely. And, it, well, like I always said, I mean, that's why I never believe for a second that that man isn't smoking Cuban cigars. Of course he's smoking Cuban cigars. He's got all this money, and he doesn't think the rules apply to him. Of course he's smoking he's Cuban, Cuban cigars. cigars. <laughs> all right, let's move on to okay. our second episode of the evening. The Tall Man. In East Allegheny, Pennsylvania, where three teenage girls go missing and one resurfaces the following day with limited memories, the BAU juggles locating the other girls and establishing the role a a regional urban legend plays in the disappearances. Meanwhile, JJ finds herself flashing back to the events surrounding her sister's suicide. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so... This episode, it's the last Matt Gubler episode. Yep. And he did, I mean, he does some really fun horror imagery in it. Yep. Like there's like those, those dreamlike shots where the, the tall man is looming around and all, like, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have the other hallmarks. There are no horror celebrities in this. Uh, there is no, the soundtrack is all but non-existent. Like, yeah. he does not have the time or the money to do the fun stuff he likes to do. But at least well, he manages to get the imagery in there. Or maybe or maybe what I would say, he gets some imagery in there, but maybe I would say that he doesn't, um, he doesn't really care all that much and didn't bother to actually turn this into something that he would be happier with. Well, especially because it's so, because it's about urban legends and ghost stories and all that. Like, this is... Stuff that we know the real Matt Goobler is obsessed with. Yeah. It seems like it would be the perfect kind of episode for him to really stretch his creative muscles. You know, like this is the perfect episode for Matt Goobler to just like create something super interesting and super scary. And we got some good images. Like we got some really creepy footage of the the tall man. Right. Yeah. Like that looks great. Where he looks different to the different girls. And, oh, yeah. Right? You know? And you get that, like, the thing where it's completely black and he's kind of in a spotlight. I'm like, yeah, like, that's some really good imagery. Mm-hmm. But that's it for the episode. And yeah, that's, kind of disappointing. Yeah. yeah, in that sense, it's disappointing. It's nice that they find out, find JJ's, uh, the, the, <laughs> the find man Find out who the story caused... of, uh, yeah, who caused her to commit suicide. Yeah. Well, I mean, not caused her to commit suicide, just made her worse. He didn't, like, tell her to commit suicide, but he... No. He came in and he exploited a girl with massive mental problems. Yeah. And that and broke... And, and it I, was one of the contributing factors to her suicide. Yeah, and I think... I, and actually, what was effective in this, this episode was the scene where where David Rossi takes yeah. her through this, Right. Yes. I thought that was I thought that was quite an effective scene. I thought JJ in the previous episode should have been taken to task, but never mind. Yeah. Um uh, here this but that David Rossi saying, Okay, we're going to do it with you and we're going to have to take you back. 
and we're going yeah. to do this. And, and wait a sec, what do you know about predators? What do mm-hmm. you, right? And you know all of this about predators, so start attributing it to the events of your own life. Yeah. yeah. Applying it. Thank you. I said attributing. Yeah. Ugh. No, applying it to your yeah, own to life. to your own life. Exactly. And, um, so, and, and I, and really I thought good. the scenes, the scenes with Josh Stewart were, were just. Oh, fan- I mean, again, he's the best husband on TV. Like, <laughs> is I, there a yeah. better husband on television? And I just, I, I pointed this out in my review, but I'm going to mention this now. So here is how good a husband this man is. He gets a phone call, presumably from Spencer Reed. It happens off camera, so we don't know. But presumably from Spencer Reed, he gets a phone call. BTW, you know that, uh, you know that necklace your wife is obsessed with and wears all the time? Yeah. It was actually given to her by a child molester who kind of drove her to suicide. So she's not going to want to see that anymore. And he would have gotten that call probably around six, seven at night based on when they get that information. <laughs> yep. And this man, the same day, goes out, gets a, gets a locket for room for two pictures, and puts together two locket-sized pictures of their children. So the minute <laughs> she gets home, she has a replacement. Yeah. He might be the best husband in fiction. Like, I, am, am I I know. No, no, you're far? not. I mean, like, he's the best. Like, yeah. I know. Who I, in fiction I, I, has pulled off a feat like this? I know. It's I amazing. Yeah, I know. It just, I mean, it was so nice. Like, I'm sorry. Everybody wishes they had a husband as good <laughs> as Josh Stewart on this show. Yeah. <laughs> a guy who's literally, whenever she gets, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, whenever she gets too down about her terrible job hunting serial killers. Is like, just FYI, anytime you want to quit your job hunting serial killers, I'll stop being a cop and we'll just go do whatever. I don't mind. I'm here to support you 100%, <laughs> even though I'm a third generation cop. Yeah. I'll just throw all that away. <laughs> this man just, is a saint. Just let me know. Yeah, just let me know. Well, no, it's just that, yeah, and he, he, he does the, I mean, it was just such a beautiful little scene it when is. she opens up the locket with the two sons. Ah, uh, yes, it was wonderful. It's such um, a nice moment. Whereas the rest of the episode, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it basically tracked. Oh yeah, I, pretty much logically. Although, I mean, you didn't actually have to take um, the minute you figured out that it was likely the same uh, perpetrator with your sister and this new girl. You literally didn't have to. Um, uh, what do you call it? You did not have to. Uh, uh, work any like you didn't have to take her through the mental journey to the most traumatic crime of her life literally all you had to do was make up a list of well who was in your sister's life that was also in this girl's life and one of them is that your six- sister's your ex-boyfriend life. oh yes obviously your life too yeah. but, uh one of them is well your sister's ex-boyfriend is the father of one of the missing girls but it's the girl who got stabbed, so probably that's not, he's not the he's villain. He's not the one. He, probably not him, since it's his daughter who gets and stabbed. And why they went and thought it was him in the first place is beyond me. It's a stretch. Yeah, I, I mean, it was a stretch that they would, they, but again, they had to fill up again. They had, yeah, they had to get to 40 minutes, yeah. But the point is, the minute you've got dismissed him, it's a very small list of people yeah. who would have known both girls. Like, it's, it's not a big list at all, so it really feels like it should not be, like, you shouldn't have to take her through this agonizing journey. Uh, but you know what? Like you said, 
they do feel they have to take her through his ag- agonizing journey. You know what? It's a genuinely good scene. So yeah, I know. I mean, it, it it was it was worthwhile to keep that scene in there. So oh, absolutely. I forgive them. The you fact forgive them the fact that it's kind of contrived. Yeah, which it is. It's kind of contrived, but you know what? You forgive them because it's well done, and it is well done. Yeah, I'm not going to complain about that. Um, I'm just going to say the thing I always say with stuff like this. I'm a little concerned about them exploiting a real life tragedy because this is all inspired by the Slender Man, quote unquote, murder. Nobody actually got killed. A girl was just very badly stabbed, but she did survive. Thank heavens. Uh, And that's what they want you to think is going on at the beginning of the episode when the two uh, girls are, you know, conspiring against their friend who's got obvious mental issues. But it turns out they weren't. No, so. no, they were conspiring. Well, no, one of them, con- well, they were conspiring because they were both yeah. going to get, uh, one of them thought they were out there to confront her over her mental problems yes. and say she needs to start taking her medication. But the other girl was actually luring the two of them out there for her kidnapping plot. Yeah. So yes, they were conspiring in- against her, but not in a bad way. In a- One of them, it was a bad way. One of them, it was a super supportive way. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did though, when I looked, uh, they take so long to find these girls. Uh, I, I went and I looked a map of East Allegheny. Allegheny. <laughs> and you know what? The park they were quote unquote lost in ain't that big. <laughs> like, it's really not a big park at all. <laughs> there is no reason they wouldn't have been able to like find them right away. Yeah, it's, it's a surprisingly small park. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like you Dogs literally just wanted to say, oh yeah, you could have just like, given a dog her clothes and tracked them right to that because there is there's even i I even checked and they got it dead right there is a train an old abandoned train line that runs through the park like they got all that right but all you would have had to do was send in the dogs and they would have gone right to them now the dog although this time the dogs wouldn't have solved the case no but the dogs would have found the girls girls right away yeah yeah also uh literally dumbest moment in the episode is I don't remember whether it's Luke or Matt, but they get to the train car and they find the one girl stabbed and the other girl missing, right? Yeah. Uh, one girl stabbed and the other girl missing, and he's like, "Wait a minute, I think she was in on it. These knots were self uh, were set to be uh, uh, to were made so the person who was tied up with them was capable of disconnecting them." And I'm like, "Dear people who wrote the show." Once a knot is untied, it's no longer a knot. It's a piece of rope. And no force on earth can tell you what shape that piece of rope was tied into. (laughs) Once she's released the knots, you can't tell what kind of knots they were. That's not how knots work. No, you just say, oh, well, she, she might have, she might have taught, she might have tied something. Her, well, I mean, my question was, how did all three of them get kind of, who tied them up? Uh, no, the, I think, I, I mean, I, I assume it's a normal, the guy showed up with a mask on and a knife and said, tie each other up. I mean, that's just, that's, that's what villains do. That's that's not. Oh yes, oh yes, yes. I forgot. He was there with a knife. Yes, he was there with a knife. Yes, I remember now. Yeah, just because there wasn't a real tall man doesn't mean there wasn't actually a guy there with a knife intimidating these girls. Yes, I remember. You remember that part now, okay? Uh, But yeah, like it's. um, And you're right. the The main part of the episode is not fantastic, right? The uh, the the actual mystery and that, but 
the emotional stuff lands super hard. That here's how hard the emotional stuff lands. I actually feel a, gu- a little guilty about the nitpick I'm going to say, which is her sister died in like 1987. Why is her why is her dad still using a straight razor? Because she specifically says her sister kills herself with her dad's razor. And I'm like, why has this man got a straight razor in the 80s? That's insane. Who still has a straight razor? Like, safety um, razors have been a thing for, you know, 40 years at that point. Well, it's yes, the mid-80s. Maybe. Gillette is, I mean, I'm just saying, it would be a weird to still use a straight razor in that. Day. Oh, yes, but there were, no, no, seriously. No. That's not true. I know. Because there, there are, are still some people men that just who obsess over. Yeah. I know. But it's a closer shave. Blah 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 blah. I know. I've met I those men. Is, They're ridiculous. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. You know. And so. And it's just. You know. I mean, some men will say that they they like the whole business of creating the soap up and yeah, doing the lather and taking brush. They like the routine or the ritual yes. of it. Yes, rich. okay, you're right. And okay. maybe her dad was one of those guys. Why but hopefully, just the worst cats. Hopefully, hopefully, he never used it again. Well, of course, he never used it again. His daughter killed herself with it. Yeah, well, okay, and, you're right. I say, of course, you know. Yeah, it don't say, of course. You know? You're right. That's true. There are there are some pretty terrible people out there. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm saying my daughter's dead. Criminal minds. Oh, God. I'm sad my daughter's dead, but that's no reason to get rid of a perfectly good razor. (laughs) Again, we're not saying he felt this way. We're saying that this is the kind of show where he might have felt that way. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is Criminal Minds. This is season 14. Season Uh, 14. People no longer deserve the benefit of the doubt. It's season 14. No, no, no. And, and, uh, like, this episode is better than the previous episode. Oh, absolutely. Much, much better. As I said, it pretty much tracks. um, Yeah, no, totally. I mean, the the problem with the episode is, is the emotional stuff works. The story largely tracks. There's some stupid, you know, there's some stupid bad writing with the investigation the way there always is. But like the, the biggest problem with this episode is one of missed opportunities. It's you've got the most talented director uh, in the show's history. Right. In like the most talented director of episodes dealing with a subject with subject matter about which he is a very passionate. I mean, not I I mean, maybe he didn't have the budget, maybe he didn't have the time. Or as you say, maybe he was so fed up with what was going on behind the scenes. He just wasn't interested in putting in two months of work to make this episode know. great the way he normally does. Yeah. And, you know, Breen Fraser wrote it. So, oh, yeah. No, Breen has got to be massively preoccupied elsewhere yeah. in his head, at least. Exactly. But no, and I mean, it's, and I think that's what makes me sad about the episode. It's us missing the chance to, before the show ends, get one more great Matt Goobler episode of Criminal Minds. Because it's like, we talk about all the episodes, and I mean, I understand why he directed them, because you want to stretch creatively. Like, I understand why he directed, um, well, I mean, I'm sure he was just given, we talked about how he was just given Gatekeeper. Yeah. But it's like, I understand why he wanted to direct the Lance Henriksen episode, right? Yeah. Because it's a chance to stretch yourself as an actor, right? And it's time to do, you know, it's time to do something interesting and different. And we learned in that episode that, uh, apparently, Shamar Moore 
has no respect for Matt Gubler as a director. Because <laughs> we know Shamor, Shamar Moore could, can be directed because he's done a great job in the past. And Matt Gubler has gotten really good performances out of people. This episode is a perfect example. But Shamar Moore, as we learned from the commentary, refused to be directed by Matt Gubler to the point where, and this is my favorite story, thank you so much for telling me this, that he told Lance Henriksen to blow takes over and over again until Shamor, uh, Shamar Moore was pissed off enough to give him the yeah. performance he needed. Yeah. Because he's not good at taking direction from Matt Gubler for whatever reason. I would, I can't speculate. I don't know anything about their relationship, but it's no. interesting that happened but it's like we missed out on a chance for this man like because he had he had stretched himself creatively had done episodes that were outside of his bailiwick you know he had done interesting things and here with this episode he has the chance to go out on a high point working with the stuff that interests him the most and instead we just get you know it's a fine episode okay. but we don't get the matt Gubler masterpiece we should have gotten Based on the fact that it's frigging about urban legends. Yeah. You know? No, serious. Yeah, seriously. You it know. Is, it is the perfect mixture of artist and subject matter, right? Yeah. And we didn't get you the episode think. we deserve. Oh, it is. Yeah. I mean, he talks so much about how much he loved ghost stories. Yeah. Like, this is the perfect episode for him to capture that spirit and that, you know, feeling of being a person at a campfire hearing this terrifying story that gets all the more terrifying when it becomes real. Like, that's what this episode's about. Uh -huh. They go there to talk about the, you know, to, or at least one of them, to, like, get into the secret of the tall man, and then the tall man turns out to be real. That's terrifying, and this episode only touches on it in the most oblique ways. Yeah. All right, so, uh, that's that. Let's move on to our final episode of the night. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> Luke. Luke. Yep. When four people living in various cities along the East Coast are tortured and murdered over a three-day span, the BAU attempts to connect the spree with a DEA federal police manhunt for an infamous Mexican cartel hitman. Meanwhile, Alves juggles moving in with his girlfriend and becoming emotionally involved in the investigation. So, who wants to start with how many things are wrong with this episode? Everything is wrong with this episode. Everything there's no, is wrong. Well, no, there's one thing that's not wrong with the episode, and I'll tell you it. It's that this is what I was talking about when we were doing um, when we were doing uh, False Flag. I, I did this line about how their prop person got apparently got obsessed with building uh, gun crates that open when you touch a magnetic key to them. <laughs> <laughs> because then he's because then we find out Luke's got two of those in his house. Yeah, and it's like he built that for that the gun nut in the episode to have, and it was and I love that in that episode the fact that he had these awesome secret gun hiding places was supposed to be a signifier for how far gone he was as a person down this conspiracy theorist rabbit hole. But then later in the subsequent episodes, we're like. Um, what does it say about Luke and Rossi that both of them also, after they found out that was a thing, immediately went out and yeah. got those? 
Like, that was supposed to be the signifier that he had serious mental problems. And you both bought one. Come on, guys. Come on. Uh, so, yeah. And and I know it's just literally that the prop master had so much fun making them. <laughs> that he, like, at, he or she asked them to just, can you give me a chance to make more of those? Those were awesome. <laughs> like, I know that's the real reason, but I enjoy... I enjoying them. I enjoy looking at the meta text of it because that's <laughs> that's what we enjoy doing here on the Profiling Criminal Minds podcast. So, um, this is an episode that is nothing but dumb stuff from beginning to end, just dumb stuff after dumb stuff after dumb stuff. Yep. Uh, the whole time, it's terrible. And I'm going to say a couple of things, and some of them are going to be less popular than others. But it's weird. Did you know? It makes me most angry about this episode okay is what? is that luke never sufficiently comes to terms with the fact that this is all his fault because he is living in a fantasy world because here's the thing about the drug cartels they're not criminals they're an opposing army and they have to be treated as such like, you just have to. You can't pretend that these are people who can be reasoned with and put in jail and expect them to go away, and that'll be that. That's just not what the drug cartels are. Everything you've heard about them being monsters is true. These are people who do not value human life in any way, shape, or form. If that life, and I'm not going to say, well, every single one of them are 100% psychopaths. No, of course not. But they have grown up or been indoctrinated into a value system that says that any way in which a human life interferes with profit, all profit is always more important than human life. And you say, well, that's true of all capitalism. Sure, of course it is. But most capitalists aren't shooting people in the head or beheading them and burying their corpses in the desert. I say most. I'm sure some are doing that. But it's like... That's all the drug cartels are. They're just the most extreme form of capitalism. Right? Yeah. And uh. so for Luke to go in there and say, and completely dismiss what the cop says that you should just kill this guy yeah. because the consequences of leaving him alive would be dire. And him saying, no, we've got we've to turn him in to the famously corrupt justice system of Mexico. Yeah. And how many people die because Luke decided he was too morally pure. By the way, Luke, a special forces guy who used to murder people for the government. Yes, now but... he's too morally. Now he, oh, well, that time he had specific orders to murder people. Here he was asking, and I mean, it's this man, this sniper's family died because Luke couldn't make the hard choice. And Luke never accepts that. No, he never deals with it. No. At all. And the thing is, you can create a meta Luke where, obviously, because you, you compare um, Thomas Gibson, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Thomas Gibson, Aaron Hotchner, and his decision to go after um, the Reaper. He literally had no choice but to do that. The Reaper was in his house and would have shot his wife and child had the cops turned up outside. Because the Reaper was not planning to get away with any of this. He no. was just going out with a bang. Yep. 
right? And so literally he had no, ch- I mean, no, he could have left and what his let his, let his wife and child die. But he, the Reaper made it clear, if anything happens except you walking in the front door, your wife and child are dead. Dead. Yep. The end. Right? Yep. And yikes. And so he had to do that. By comparison, Luke, at any point, once he finds out where the guy is going, can just phone his team. He just phone the local cops. Shut down the port. There. The guy's caught. The end. And you can create a meta Luke where the reason he has to get revenge is not just because this guy killed his friend, but the fact that by getting revenge and completely personalizing it as a thing that happened between two and that, uh, the two of them, he doesn't have to face the reality that he got this man's family killed. Oh, I, 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 to me, that's not. That's the only fair reading of the situation. I I think that that's the only reading of the situation. Okay, good. I I was worried I was being too harsh on Luke in this. No, you're not. I mean, this is, but, um, yeah, I, but it just doesn't strike me. Everything that we've, here's, here's my biggest problem is that everything we've known about Luke up to this point. Yeah. Doesn't make me think that this would have been the decision he would have made anyway. Like, I don't understand that. Like, you you create this highly moralistic, like, I'm going, okay, this isn't the guy that we've had in Criminal Minds for the last little while. Yeah. So, uh, why did you make this? Well, I guess because of the story. I don't know. Yeah, you needed it for the story. I mean, is why. Yeah, I think but... we can. All, I think we can all say that is probably accurate. They just needed the story beat. But yeah, like here's the thing: this t- he is on a team that plays fast and loose with well, when we'll to shoot people. We'll get to people. that in a minute. We'll okay, get we'll get to, get to that. that in a minute. You're right. But you're right. It it does seem mildly out of character for Luke. Yeah, I like I to I didn't... have suddenly uh, to have so rigorously said no. We have to bring him in alive. Blah 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 blah. But I would make the argument. It's possible that the Luke we're meeting today has was massively affected by that time his friend got shot and crippled. Like the Luke Luke we deal with today, who is a little more fast and loose with this kind of stuff, right? Uh maybe back when this sniper incident happened, he was trying to be more uh, you know, more by the book and more following orders and more 100% we have to bring everybody in alive, right? And after his friend got shot by a serial killer, it's possible that, you know, and crippled, he thought at the time for life, but he's gradually getting better. It's possible that that, that experience has changed Luke. I, I would, that would be my argument for how it seems that they have changed the characterization. Because you're right, the guy who says under no circumstances can you, a sniper, murder this brutal mass murderer, right? Yeah. Um, that doesn't seem like the new Luke we know. You're right. Like, and I there completely is no, agree with you. Yeah, and there is, there is, I mean, that's, that's a possibility. But If we no. were fixing it for them, that is what I would say is the message here, that he has been changed by his experience with serial killers. Um, that would be my only conceivable defense for Luke having made that decision. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's a, like, I don't think it makes the most sense, but at least I would, uh, that would at least provide a logical rationale. And to I- me, okay, to me, 
why would the be why would the order have been to bring him in alive? I know, it wasn't right? like 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 I don't understand that even because yeah. there's no way this guy is going to turn on on his bosses. His cartel? No, of course not. Well, so I think why the weird would you situ- want him to? Why would you want to bring him in? Well, and the weird part is you can, uh, based on, you know, what we know about how they fight the cartels in Mexico, you could actually interpret that the, uh, the advice, the rule was, well, bring him in, wink. You know, no, you got to bring him in, wink. And, uh, you know, if he doesn't make it back, oh, well, that's too bad. And And Luke Luke just missed the wink. Yeah, he could, it could be that Luke missed the wink. Now that's me doing a lot of extra writing. Yeah, for this that's. Show. I mean, that's that's. But really no, but you're right. I mean, what we know about the way they actually fight these guys in Mexico, it's actually weird that they were trying to take him alive. Yeah. Because these people, um, I, spoiler alert, I'm not for the death penalty, but you know what? When you're fighting a war, people are going to get killed. They didn't. He didn't. Ha- no one at- told this guy you've got to become a cartel hitman. <laughs> You know, like he chose to do this. Uh, He chose to torture people by, you know, pouring bleach down their throat before he killed them. Like that was this guy was a monster. And I don't know of anyone who will tell you I've got a real problem when monsters die. Yeah. (laughs) And and I didn't I mean, I didn't buy the fact that that cartel didn't protect him and didn't bring him out. Yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, because then we find out that the yes. car, like, because there's this whole second plot where the cartel set him up to be thrown in jail. And I'm like, say what? Since when does a cartel ever try to get someone thrown in jail? If you told me the cartel set him up to be murdered, I'd be like, yep, that's fine. Yeah, I could understand that one. <laughs> but the set, the cartel set him up to be thrown in jail? Like, do you not know how these cartels operate? Clearly not. And so there's like eight guys who he has to kill, all of whom were part of the conspiracy to throw him in jail, who the sniper ends up finishing the job for him. But I'm like, why though? Like, I can't think of a reason to throw this man in jail. If he's, like, let's say he's disobeying orders or he killed somebody he wasn't supposed to, blah, 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 blah. Why wouldn't you just kill him? You're a cartel. You murder people literally all the time. That's your whole business model. Why would you want him thrown in jail where he would have a chance to betray you? Like the whole, that whole section of the episode makes no sense. Like, and you could actually create the situation where he, they turned him into quote unquote the military in the hopes that the military would kill him, right? Uh, when they were taking him in and let, Let's say the Sicario, which is what they call Hitman. Uh, let's say this Sicario character had a lot of friends in the cartel and he was getting too extreme or he had killed the wrong person and blah, blah, and he had to be taken out. But you didn't want to cause the fuss of having your guys kill him because that could create political issues within the cartel. That I would buy. And then you would say, okay, well, we know the cops like to kill Hitmen, so we'll just, you know. Give the cops a head up, uh, heads up of where this guy's going to be, and then we'll just send them, and the cops will deal with him. Yeah, and then why it all is goes the DEA? Wrong. But why is the involved? DEA yeah, but you're right. Involved? Why is the DEA no. involved in all? Yeah, 
No, you're right. I'm trying to fix this, but there's no way to fix it because there's no reason for the cartel to do what they did in this episode. Yeah. From Jump, the, the cartel's actions just make zero sense. Given what and, we know about cartels. Oh, yeah. Given yeah. everything we know about cartels, their actions here make zero sense. Yeah. Like, I don't get I don't get it at all. And I don't think there's any way to fix the episode to make their actions make sense. So, yeah, that's a big problem with the episode. So, also, we get just random dumbness. And I know dumbness isn't a word, but I was trying to use it sarcastically to stress how idiotic this episode is. There is a scene where they talk to the coroner. And she's like, he was shot twice in the head. Uh, you know, yeah, any sign, of, but any signs of torture? No. And then they think, well, if he wasn't planning on torturing them, why did he tie them up? Hmm. Couldn't he have just shot them in the head if that's all he wanted to do? And then she's like, oh, by the way, there was bleach in the man's <laughs> stomach I I... and horrible burns on his throat from where he was forced to drink bleach. And I'm like, did you not think that that was worth mentioning when you were talking about signs of torture? I know. <laughs> I'm I'm not a scientist, but I would call being forced to drink bleach torture. Yeah. You know? No, no. Maybe the guy was a Trump supporter and thought that it would kill, kill himself before it came. Yeah. Never like, mind. I don't want to. I don't want to get into a semantic argument here. <laughs> but I feel like once you're pouring bleach down someone's throat that counts as torture and i don't think i'm gonna get a lot of pushback on that i don't think i mean i've had controversial episodes in the uh sorry opinions in the past in this episode i just encouraged you to kill anybody who works for a drug cartel and said there's nothing morally wrong with that so i've had controversial opinions don't get me wrong or maybe that one's not that controversial but anyway um <laughs> uh, uh, right? But, at the same time, like, no! Pouring bleach down a throat is torture! And I don't know why that wouldn't be, like, the giant flashing headline above the fold, you know, 64-point type headline is, he had bleach poured down his throat. That should be the first thing you say! Even yeah. before you talk about the fact that he was shot to death. Mention the bleach! These guys don't care about the bullets. They care about the signifiers that make this crime unique. And the bleach is one of those things. Yeah. Okay. So then they find out it's this guy because he spits a bunch of uh, chewing tobacco. And yeah. Luke is like, I know there's only one person on earth who spits chewing tobacco. So it must be him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but coincidentally, the mob hitman had killed this guy's family. So obviously Luke's right. And he is the uh, the killer they're looking for. Like, no, dead on Luke. Very good profile. So he's like, oh my god, my own people are in danger. And weirdly, no one thinks for a second. Like, Luke's worries that he might be being targeted. Because he knows everyone involved in the operation that thought this guy's family got killed. Got, got this family's uh, guy's family killed. Is a potential target. Right? But yeah. it doesn't occur to anyone... That his partner, who was there with him in Mexico, and can be argued as, you know, almost as responsible as Luke for what happened, it never occurs to anyone that that guy might be in danger. I know. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, I sat there and went, 
yeah, no, I mean, that was exactly it. I mean, I, I mean, I'm letting you talk about this episode because it's Sorry. just like, no, no, it's, it's fine because I'm going, what am I supposed to say? It doesn't make any sense. Why does he yeah. think Lisa is going to be the target? The, the target you've just moved in with her. It's, this guy has been on the spree for a while now. Yeah, for weeks. For and it's weeks. not like he's been following you around and try and no, doing he's every detail of your life. For the people who were involved. And yeah, that's and it. You were last, and-, and you, weirdly, were last on his list. Or second last. Yeah, and well, and Luke wasn't going to get killed. Luke was going to have to live with all exactly, these which he now dying knows. around him. Yeah, right. And, and no, it's uh, now. I mean, I grant you that he could think initially Lisa, but um, what about his friend who was there in Mexico when all this went down? Yeah, who was equally a part of the job where this guy's family got killed? Yeah, so. You know, and equally responsible. So yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't understand why why he doesn't. Um, I think it's a flaw in the writing, of course, like everything mm-hmm. else in this episode. Um, oh, that doesn't make sense because everything is out of out of sync, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, including uh, let, let's just you know, so we'll move on, right? Yeah. And then and so Luke. Knows doesn't call anybody. Okay, fine. Yeah, uh, blah blah blah. He goes to see his girlfriend. It's only then that it suddenly dawns on him that uh, yeah, she's in danger. Uh, that she might. No, he wants to move her out because he still thinks she's the one that he's coming. This guy is coming after. Yeah, right. It does still doesn't think about it, and I'm just going. Okay, you know, you, you just kind of shake your head watching this whole thing. Oh and yeah. Then, you know, and then we find out that he's dead. His friend is dead. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's going to go after the guy because yeah. he can track the guy. He's got no empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, I And I'm just going, okay. But see, the thing is, is that when he goes to see, when the girlfriend, like, like, I don't even understand the girlfriend. The girlfriend is his best friend's brother. A sister. No, no, not sister. Just they know each other from um, the hospital. Oh, she was his. Yeah, therapist. she was the. Yeah, she was the therapist at the hospital. That's why they're so close. Okay, so she was the. She was the therapist. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, no, I understand why you got. Then that. it makes uh, even I mean, less sense. I know. <laughs> it does, yeah, but no, I understand why you thought that, given their relationship. But yes, now she was the ther- the doctor he met through therapy. Yeah, but you would yeah. think, I mean, she isn't the least bit upset, really, that he's dead. I know, she barely reacts to it. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't, she isn't upset at all that she, that he's dead, and I'm just like, wait a sec, you're not in this life, you're not in this business. You never have yeah. been. Yeah, and so this is... upsetting? You're one of your, one of your close friends. Yep. And, and the rest has of it. Has been brutally murdered. Yes, and, and, and you're barely reacting to it. Yeah, and you're reacting. All you care about is is uh, Luke. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you've only just moved in, and um, it it yeah, I mean, it didn't it's make weird. any sense. And shall we get to the the worst part of this episode? Go for it, Emily. Yep. Unbelievable! Like, who the hell wrote that? I know. The hell of all people, that? Emily Prentice 
is trying to tell him, you know, not to take matters into his hands and not to go too far. Do you not know who you are, Emily Prentice? And and then she strips him of his rank. I know. She she you know and you're and you're lucky you're not being you're not being drummed out of everything. And I'm just listening to this and I'm going, okay, maybe Dan's right that (laughs) the showrunner of this show is, you know, somehow or another has confused herself with Emily. With Emily Prentice. Oh yeah. You know, I think and, that's there. and and somehow or another, you're making Emily this paragon of virtue. Yep. Emily Prentice. The paragon of virtue and it's everybody a crazy else. crazy idea. All these things that everybody gets away with. No, what she's supposed to do is sympathize with Alves at this point. At yep. some point, come in and say, no, you know, you can't do this. She covers up for everybody else. She covers up for her own sins. Yep. Everybody else's sins, and all of a sudden she's going to demote him, threaten him, kicking him out, the yes. whole thing. And he didn't even kill the guy. He didn't even kill the guy. I know it's crazy. You got yourself a bunch of guns and grenades and tried to murder a whole team of IRA mercenaries, right? But no, Luke going after this guy and arresting him—that's going too far. And this is the problem because because you Please. didn't you didn't tell the team. I know. I'm going to say what? I know, right? This is what happened. Oh god. You know, you just You're describing of... your own actions, Emily. You're describing yourself. It was just like so like you just listen to this and going, it's how insane. am I supposed to how am I supposed how to How am I supposed to react to this? Yeah, like what do they think my response to this speech is going to be? Yeah. That Emily was being tough but fair, blah, blah, blah. No, she's acting completely out of character. Yeah, this, and, and there is nobody given, like, it's just like this whole show yeah. has been about, as we have discussed time and time again, has been about letting everybody off the hook. And Alves has a good reason for going after this a guy. A great reason. And that guy actually has a good reason for going after everybody as well. Right? Yeah. No, it's it's insane because she's oh, yeah, she's so. just talking this ridiculous nonsense, right? And and the thing that makes you feel so sad when watching, at least it did with me, is, you know, if Aaron Hotchner was there, he would be in a position to harshly but fairly discipline Luke. Yeah, but she she just not a doesn't have the gravitas. That's a problem. But B, she has no moral leg to stand on. No, not no. a moral leg to stand on. Not after we've been watching these all the time. For all these years. We know that she doesn't, but that's why you needed, that's why you needed an Aaron Hotchner to be the voice of the system that they're all supposed to trust and that they're all a part of. Yeah. And she just isn't that. She's not that. She has never been that. No. Ever. She, and she just isn't. No. And Aaron yeah. is going... Yeah, I mean, I mean, the loss of Aaron Hotchner is felt to this episode, right? I know. Uh, especially this episode. This episode where, you know, I mean, the writing would have been different. He would have Completely been... Completely different. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, anyway, well, anyway, the show... 
Well, we've always we've always talked about how the show never survived the loss of Aaron Hawkner, and this is just a perfect example of it. Yeah, where you could, you know, and you can imagine the episode that it would have been had he been there, and it's a stronger episode. Yeah, because they just the the Emily character just can't serve this role. She's too much of a hypocrite. She's too much of a loose cannon. She's let's face it, too bad at her job to offer the kind of, you know, talking to that Luke requires in this scene. No, no, she we needed to bring back Burns. Burns yes. could have given her that talk him That's that true. talking to. But she made the mistake of crossing the BAU, the only team that matters in the entire <laughs> FBI. <laughs> oh my lord, I oh did you did you look at any of those things from Jim Clemente that I sent you up? Yes, His I website. did. Oh my lord! When he talks about how he got involved in it, and I'm reading it and going, "Oh my lord!" We we definitely have to do, I think, an episode. Oh, we're going to talk a Jim lot about Clemente. his podcast after we're done with Criminal Minds. Yeah, he's a man with. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's a terminal lack of self awareness. Yeah, I. I or what it but is. It, it is it is a severe lack of self-awareness. He might be able to get over it, but there's a pretty big lack of self-awareness in who that, Jim Clemente that, that, that. is versus who he thinks he is. Yeah, I haven't listened to any of the podcasts yet. I'm stealing myself. Yeah. To but try no, just decide. just the bio sections and the history and the Yeah, I know. I'm right there with you. Now, we're not going to uh, listen to the podcast no. before we finish the show, because it could color our oh. statement about the last two seasons of the show. Oh, yeah. And so. besides, it, it 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 doesn't matter. It's a completely uh, sort oh, it's, of yeah, completely off thing. topic. Yeah, it's completely Absolutely. off topic. But it was just it struck me. Right. <laughs> All of a sudden, when I'm talking about this, and I'm just thinking about his when when he met with he, because he met Mandy Patinkin first and then he met with Ed Bernaro. Right. Yeah. And and the statements that he made about blah, 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 blah. And I'm going so and you're still on the show at the end of season 14. I know. Uh, after you said, this is what you have to do or else I can't really be the uh, whatever to this Be your show. advisor. <laughs> be yeah. your advisor. And I'm it's going. like, well, they certainly, you certainly got eaten alive by Hollywood, didn't you? Jim. <laughs> yeah. Jim. Turns <laughs> out anyway. after a couple of years of making a, you know, a few hundred grand writing shows, your morals kind of, your ethics kind of dissipate. Who yeah. would have imagined that that's the effect that capitalism has on people? Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk. We'll talk about that. At no, some we're going to talk about Jim Clemente funny. later. But this no, episode—it's a great moment. It's such a frustrating episode. Yeah. No. For the, all the, of the reasons we've laid out, it just is. It just doesn't work. So it turns out that the tall man, for even its little problems, is the best episode. These these three of these three. No surprise at all. All right, so speaking of uh, three episodes, what are we going to be covering next week If pe- uh, so people can check if they want to do their homework and watch with us? Yes, seven, eight, and nine. So seven is 27. Wait, it's called 27? Yes. Oh, okay. The, because the spree killer is take it, driven to take in a life every 27 minutes. Is it bad that I don't remember this episode? I don't at remember. All? Three people in Washington metropolitan area are ho- hospitalized with like oh the the yeah the street stabber okay uh, the okay, machete okay, yes. yeah yeah and the machete street stabber okay thank you Ashley yeah, and then we meet the girlfriend uh, the new boyfriend of uh, Emily in this one so Ashley 
is the uh, next okay. one. And which one is Ashley? Couple from Plymouth, New Hampshire, gunned down in their sleep. Their eight-year-old daughter is reported missing. Oh, okay. Yep, 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 yep. Got it. Next. And and then... Um, Finally, episode broke, nine. Broken Wing, and Aisha Tyler directs this one. Yeah, it's the uh, her-focused episode that was inspired by an episode of the the John Oliver last week tonight. And Jim Clementi wrote this one. Really? Speaking oh, of neat. Jim Clementi, yes. Well, that's fantastic. Good for you, Jim. He said after we've just been talking crap about Jim Clementi for five minutes. Uh, seriously, though, yes. Oh, and one thing I'll say. Um, I now have to take something back that I said about the last season. Uh, we joked quite extensively about how utterly and completely out of left field, um, deciding to make Luke and, uh, Penelope a couple were in the final episode. Right? Yeah. And how completely out of left field was. And I'll say this, for a thing that I previously said was completely out of left field, Luke sure was, uh... Telling people not to date Penelope in this in this season in this episode suddenly so yeah so you're right it didn't come completely out of left as much out of left field as we thought I had forgotten about that one scene where he discourages someone from trying to date Penelope so yes I will now admit it wasn't completely out of left field uh, they didn't set up the way they should I mean you called it right away when the doctor wasn't at the uh, the house party <laughs> you called it right then and there. Uh, but, and so that was a pretty good sign, but there was a season 14 set up for this relationship and I'm no longer going to pretend there wasn't. Okay. And the other thing about it is it does, it makes Luke look terrible. It does. Because he's living with this, he moves this girl in and he's living with her. And he's still like keeping, you know, uh, her on the side just in case things don't work out, Well, which is literally exactly what happens. Well, what ha what what I was going to say is is that he's pulling a Derek there. He is. Although I will say this, uh, this is he is not um, the the Derek that he is pulling is not as toxic as Derek's because no. he does not do like this is completely just his subconscious and his fondness for Garcia popping out. Yeah. Right? Whereas Derek, obviously tried to keep Garcia from, you know, having other relationships. Yeah. He went out of his way to sabotage Garcia's relationship. Yeah. Whereas this is literally just in the spur of the moment, he suddenly, and I would, I would say he doesn't even realize why he is yeah. on just out of nowhere saying they wouldn't be a good fit. Yeah. We now know why he's saying that, but I don't even think the character would be able to say, Derek, on one level or another, didn't knew. know what he was doing. Yeah, he knew he what did. he was doing, and he knew all of this was inappropriate. But he did it anyway because he's kind of a scummy person. Whereas yeah. I don't think Luke, when he discourages his best friend from dating Garcia, and Garcia does ask about him, you know, yeah, uh, I don't think he's consciously trying to sabotage her potential ro uh, romantic relationships to do a need of his own. I think he is fond of her, and he's not really facing up to that. And I know I'm being much kinder to Luke than I ever was to Derek here, but that's because <laughs> Luke has given very little reason for us to think he's a bad guy. 
in the well, way that and, Jared and just gave us only, reason after reason after reason. Yeah, and he is. isn't leading. He isn't leading Penelope that's, on. I at think all. that's the key part. You know, yeah. he is completely professional in his relationship with Penelope in a way yeah. that Derek never was. That's exactly. This it. is just. Yeah, this is all just in a sense his subconscious feelings coming yeah. out yeah. when he doesn't pass along a message from his friend to Garcia or discourages the friend from dating Garcia. He's not. He's not stringing her along. He's no. not manipulating her the way Derek did. No, like he's, I maintain he's a much better guy, even if this one thing he does here is a yeah. little questionable. Yeah. Ah, uh, but yeah, that's so. So we'll look to that to see if it's more organically set up. Now that we've got this scene in mind, I think season fifteen is going to look a little different for us. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I guess we're going to wrap it up here. As always, I want to suggest that if you were listening to this on some sort of a podcast uh, app or client, you should rate and review the show because that is how people find it. If you have any questions, if you have any uh, comments, if you have any suggestions for profiling-related fiction you think we should check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We'll see you back here next Thursday for more Criminal Minds. But until then, I'm going to say au revoir. And have a good weekend. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.